War? War never changes. Only weapons are new. Yet it is not the weapons, but the men who handle them, who win the victories. This quote was first attributed to a Frenchman at the beginning of World War I. Clearly, he understood the madness of humankind, for it was merely the first great war that led to another. The world leaders and scientists hoped to build a better human race when the first synthetic beings were created. But how could an imperfect people create something perfect? Now, a hundred years after those visionaries died in the nuclear explosions, the evil synth Bravo has waged war against the humans of the Middlelands. Our heroes have continuously failed to stop his schemes and machinations, however they stand confident in their plans to finally find Bravo's weakness and defeat him. Will this be the final fight to end all these bloody conflicts? Or is this again merely the first great war that will lead to another? After all... War? War never changes. 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 War. War never changes. After the events of Wright Town, the crew tracked Blue to Spider City. It was the logical place to head if he really was taking loved ones to Legion territory. As they drew closer to the city, they came across a makeshift camp filled with traders and merchants. Within the camp, Giff found an old friend, a bookie. The bookie explained that the Legion had sieged and taken the city, removing everyone who was not a resident or a Legion citizen. The Legion maintained a perimeter with their massive land boats and innumerable soldiers. It was practically impossible to enter or exit without a pass or Legion identification. Unsure of what to do, the crew began to worry until they were approached by a man in a fancy white suit. He introduced himself as Kent and offered the crew a deal. He and his partner, Herschel, had a pass into the city for six people. The four members of the crew would join Kent and Herschel to get into Legion territory, and in exchange, they would help the pair with a job. An assassination. A lieutenant in the Legion, well placed in the organization of the siege. It made the crew uneasy, but the Legion had long been a thorn in their side, and they needed in. They met Herschel in the woods as he prepped the cart belonging to the Children of the Atom. The plan was simple, disguise themselves as members of the cult, who the pass was meant for, and pass into the city by the guards without a second look. After a momentary altercation with the owners of the cart, the crew ventured forth with haste. Their pass granted them swift entry. They headed for a tent of bunks to rest for the night, while Red and Kent headed towards the armory. The two successfully snuck in and put on Legion uniforms, Kent taking the higher-ranked officer. The two were caught by a sergeant, but they played it off as if they were having an affair. They eventually found their lieutenant, taking the opportunity to set off a bomb, destroying part of the hospital and killing other soldiers as well. 
the rest of the Legion began looking for Kent and Red to question them about the explosion, but Kent told Herschel, It's sunrise, which was their code when it was time to leave. The crew headed further south towards the Legion capital, Rome. When they arrived at the city in their disguises and cart, the bureaucracy of the Legion became truly evident, as they had to go through a processing center before they could enter the city. Kent started screaming and ended up being arrested for disorderly conduct. Meanwhile, Giff went through a different line, as he actually had an invitation to fight in the Colosseum. He was told, though, that he would need a sponsor someone who was a legion citizen who would pay the fees for him to fight. His invitation listed the bounty hunter Ace as his sponsor, but the last time they saw him, Jojo had shattered both of Ace's legs and left him locked in a cage. Overhearing their plight, a local by the name of Thaddeus offered to not only sponsor Gif, but sign bail for Kent. Thaddeus's house was a large farm staffed by slaves. Mem expressed her disgust at the concept of slavery, and Thaddeus explained that he was disgusted by it as well. The Legion had a synth factory that built these sentient beings for the purpose of being slaves, and Thaddeus was part of the railroad. He would purchase them when he could and sneak them out of the city and to freedom in the Axe tribe. He maintained the farm to keep the appearance that he was a proper Roman leader. Though this settled the crew a bit, they were overjoyed to hear what the prize would be for Gif's upcoming fight. A group of slaves that just happened to be their loved ones, that had been kidnapped by Blue. As Gif prepared for the fight, the rest of the crew spent their day in the city. Red tried to sneak into a synth factory, though she was caught and told to leave the premises. Jalea found the bedding table and began studying the odds for each individual gladiator. Mem spent time in the museum and thought she found a secret code pointing to a certain building, though that turned out to be a red herring as it was just a dirty shack that housed drug addicts. When the tournament finally came, Gif quickly became a force to be reckoned with. He made it to the championship, though he was battered and bruised, he wiped his brow and stepped in the ring once more, this time to save his beloved Savannah. Punch after punch after punch, he eventually triumphed. They went down gleefully to reunite with their loved ones, and to their surprise, Blue was in the lot as well. They had hoped for more time to catch up with everyone, but suddenly Herschel came barreling down the road in a land boat while being chased by Legion soldiers. It's sunrise, Herschel exclaimed, and everybody climbed in and raced away from the city as fast as the metal dreadnought would go. When they finally left their pursuers in the dust, they had a moment to talk with their loved ones. Gif knew this may be his last chance before they went to fight Bravo, so he got down on one knee and proposed to Savannah. She agreed, on the condition that he settled down with her at Wright Town, after all this was over. Kent secretly teleported away with Blue in handcuffs to the underground bunker of his employers, the Institute. It was explained to Kent that the Institute made an agreement with Bravo, that they would trade him their teleportation technology for his synth technology. However, Bravo never held up his end of the bargain. Now they had Blue, though, and they would take great pleasure in dissecting and reverse engineering him. Kent was then tasked with finding Gabriel and convincing her to join the Institute. If she refused, she was to be neutralized. After Kent teleported back to the crew, Gabriel sent Red a message, saying that Utah 
had sent her a code to bring Remy's full memory back. It caused him to go a bit haywire, but with it, he had a way to defeat Bravo once and for all. Beneath his vault, the first one the crew had ever encountered was a matrix that housed all of the primary synth hard drives, as well as a nuclear bomb. If they detonated the bomb, it would destroy the matrix and kill the primary synths, including Bravo. Herschel took the crew's loved ones to safety while the crew took Gabriel's mechanical dragon to the vault. When they arrived, they found Bravo's forces there as well. Thousands of synths and several aircraft coming to take the nuke up against a handful of misfits. The crew, against all good sense, charged in. Bullets flew, lasers shot, and grenades popped as the crew dodged and snuck their way to the elevator leading to the basement. Gif and Thaddeus held back to defend the elevator. When the crew made it to the basement, Remy opened a secret door that led to a winding staircase even further down. Red found the computer to detonate the bomb, but realized the satellite dish on top of the building was damaged. If the dish was not fixed, the kill code would not be sent out and this whole fight would be for nothing. She told everyone to go to the roof, fix the dish, and defend it while she initiated the self-destruct sequence. When the crew met up at the roof, they were surrounded by helicopters, guns pointed towards them. Jalea threw her hands up and unleashed the largest blast she had ever mustered, destroying all of the helicopters and giving Gif and Mem enough time to fix the dish. As soon as the computer registered the dish had been fixed, Red clicked the button that detonated the nuke. Unfortunately, she could not escape the blast in time. As the kill code went out to all of the primary synths, Bravo through Zulu, the secondary synths under their control collapsed. Slowly, one at a time, the secondary synths rebooted with no memories of their time under primary synth control. Grace, who had been lost for so long now, looked to the crew, puzzled. What happened? How did we get here? Kent jolted awake and stared at the ceiling of the tank. He had gone to meet Gabriel. He'd planned on having a somewhat civil conversation. He'd planned on completing his mission and bringing her to the Institute willingly. She had her own plans, though. When he arrived at the bunker where she would have been located, it was empty. She had known he was coming and cleared the place out. Oh, and how could he forget that nice bomb she left him? His body ached and his arm was in a cast. Hey there, Kent! Nice to see you're back to the land of the living, Herschel said from the cockpit. You okay back there? Yeah, Kent replied. Just keep driving. Get us back to the Institute. This job's going to be a lot harder than I anticipated. Gif looked at himself in the mirror. The cowboy hat that Howell had given him made him look silly, at least in Gif's opinion. Savannah insisted it made him look official, but it just didn't seem fair. Red had given up everything, and Gif had gotten everything he ever wanted. 
after Bravo had been destroyed, the synths under his control lost all their memories. The fake Jay even forgot who he was. With no direct leadership, Howell and the miners were able to swoop in and take control of Wright Town. The town council had been reinstated, and Howell had insisted that Giff become the marshal. The council needed someone they trusted in the position, and Giff was the obvious choice. Uncle Rocky had started the boxing ring back up, and his nephews were now old enough to start training. Savannah's dad was a bit upset that Giff had proposed before asking for his blessing, but ultimately supported their marriage. Daddy! His daughter giggled as she ran into the room. Are you going to catch some bad guys today? She asked. Of course, Red. Giff laughed. Savannah had insisted on the name, and Giff could think of no better way to honor Red Leader's memory. As he stepped outside of his home and headed to the armory, a woman stepped in his path. It took Giff less than a moment to recognize her. Grace, what are you doing here? He couldn't believe it. Relax, Marshal, Grace said with a clearly mocking tone. I'm here for the job. What job? Why, every Marshal needs a deputy. Jaylea threw the rototill down in frustration. It was heavy, bulky, and she hated it. Mom insisted that it was necessary to learn to use, but Jaylea knew that it was just as easy for her to use her powers to move the dirt in the cornfield. She was happy to be back at her farm with her mom, though it did seem kind of empty without all the travelers. People still didn't really trust synths, and now that the world really knew they existed, they weren't too inclined to stay at a stranger's farmhouse when traveling. It was a real shame, though. It had always been fun for Jaylea to listen to the stories of the adventurers. I excuse me. Someone said, interrupting her thoughts. Is this Leah Goff's farm? Jaylea jumped with excitement as she recognized the man. Jay? She said, surprised. No, Leah, he responded. I I'm looking for Leah Goff. No, I mean your Jay, Jaylea said. Huh? No, my name is John. Or at least, that's what they told me my name was. I, I don't really know. I, I don't remember. I, I think I may be a synth. He paused. Anyway, a guy named Cal Wright said that you might be looking for a farmhand. Is that true? Sure is, shouted Jaylea's mom suddenly. Come inside and let's talk. Maybe, Jaylea thought. Just maybe. Things will finally go back to normal. The vault door creaked and groaned as it opened for the first time in over a hundred years. Mem couldn't believe she finally found it. Vault 202 had been a test vault, but no one had ever been registered to live in it. Which was a real shame, because if given the choice, this is the one Mem would have chosen to live in. As she walked past the radiation cleansers and towards the elevator, she spoke out loud the report that she had found just days earlier and memorized instantly. Vault 202, construction complete. Test materials cleared to begin in-processing. Test parameters? Vault residents will be given no communications or entertainment other than the written works of J.K. Rowling. Purpose? Verified clerical claims that test materials pushes human readers towards Satanism. The elevator began to drop down deeper and deeper into the earth, but Mem couldn't help but jump with giddy. Once the doors opened, she knew she hit the jackpot. Before her were pallets, and pallets, filled with books. Still shrink-wrapped and still intact, preserving the books from decay. Mem ran as fast as she could and shouted, Oh, the overseer is gonna love this! Thaddeus stepped out of the car and walked towards the computer in his lair. It had been a good night. The director of the synth facility had been called before the Senate. So you mean to tell me, Claudia shouted. 
that the entire synth population was under the control of a single synth named November, and you lost him? Y yes, sir. The director replied shyly. And you lost him months ago? Y yes, sir. Someone had broken into our facility and, and kidnapped him. But now you hypothesize that this primary synth has been destroyed and that's what's causing all of our synths to revolt? That's, that's the working theory, yes sir. You, sir, are an imbecile! Claudius may have been a pompous ass, but he had lost his cool and that made Thaddeus laugh out loud. Thaddeus needed to send this to Gabriel as soon as he could. Now that he knew who Gabriel was, she was turning out to be a great ally. He turned his chair around to sit in it, but someone was already there. Who are you? Thaddeus shouted in surprise. Jojo, the simian replied quickly. I help. You... you help? Yes. With what? Them, Jojo said as he pointed off to the right, and Thaddeus looked over to see four synths hiding in the dark, who had clearly just escaped a synth catcher. See? I help. Okay, Jojo, Thaddeus said perplexed. I'm not sure exactly who you are, but clearly you're good at... helping. Let's talk and see how we can best put your skills to use. So, will this work? Chad asked Gabby as they entered the log cabin that once belonged to Abby Weller. It needs some work, but I'm sure it'll do, she replied kindly. Truthfully, it would need a lot of work, but she liked a challenge. If she could fix Remy, she could fix this cabin. A loud yawn reverberated from the field outside. Copper, as the dragon insisted on being called now that it was fully sentient, stretched out and rolled over. Remy laid out as well. He still had an occasional bout of insanity, but for the most part was fine now. It had been a long flight and a difficult choice to destroy her old bunker, but Gabby was firm in her resolve. She didn't know exactly what organization Kent worked for, but all of her algorithms said that it was something that was up to no good. So, what do you need from me? Chad asked, interrupting her thoughts. I need you to take this message to a man named Thaddeus. But before you go, you'll need a code name. I'm thinking... I'm thinking Red Leader. Chad looked very solemn for a moment. Yeah, he said. I think that would be good. Twenty years later, Kent sat at his new desk overlooking the entire Institute facility. Of course, no one called him Kent anymore. Now everyone knew him by his title, Father. He was father of the Institute, the leader of the future of mankind. Synth production and capabilities had grown exponentially under his leadership, and now nothing stood in the way of his vision. Well, almost nothing. There was a sudden flash of blue light as a teleporter went off and a man appeared in his office. Few people had the ability to teleport directly into his office, but this was no ordinary man. Hello, Kellogg, Father said. Kellogg had been his replacement after he assumed the title Father. You got a new job for me, boss? Kellogg asked. Please, call me Father, and yes, I do have a new job for you. A few of them, actually. Here are the names of the targets. Capture of an infant? Kellogg asked. Yes, but this is an infant that's been cryogenically frozen since before the Great War. He's literally the last human with pure, unradiated DNA. Okay, okay, fine, but what about all these other people? Thaddeus? Gabriel? So on, so on? Who, who are these people? 
Those six people are the last people who know who I really am. They need to be eliminated. <laughs> you got it, boss. Please, call me father. Father sighed as Kellogg transported away. <sighs> father looked at his office door and stiffened his back. This next step wouldn't be easy, but it had to be done. He pushed a button and the door opened. Herschel, his old friend, walked in. Hey, buddy, long time no see. It has been a while, father said as he closed the door, cocked his gun, and stood up. Father knew he had to do this, but he would do it looking Herschel in the eyes.